This is Give Me Some Truth, a podcast from Walkner Condon Financial Advisors in Madison, Wisconsin. Give Me Some Truth is dedicated to providing an accessible and authentic view into the financial services industry, as well as current events and investment concepts that you can apply in your day-to-day life. You gotta leave your money behind you. Raise your hand Welcome back to another installment of Give Me Some Truth. We have three of us in the booth today and potentially many more because we're actually recording this on Facebook Live, it sounds like, through Matt Winsenried's page. But but the three in the booth right now are myself, Mitch DeWitt. We got Matt Winsenried, a guest who's actually a second time guest here. And of course, your founding partner, Nate Condon, is in the booth as well. So for the listeners that were tuning in last summer, meaning the summer of 2018, we had Matt on. And we talked a little bit of real estate. We talked about his team specifically mm-hmm. and what it looks like to build a real estate team. So he's with Realty Executives. He's part of the Matt Winsenried Real Estate Partners Group. And we just learned a little bit about his team, what it, what it takes to build a successful and sustaining practice. And now he's to the point in his business where he's, he's still very active on, on the social media front as we're doing the Facebook Live, but, but also just referrals. He's done... He set the bar so high for his client experience that he's really brought on some referrals through just existing relationships. So we talked a lot about that last time around. This time around, we wanted to bring him on and talk a little bit about doing flips. And we wanted to do that. Not be- gymnastics. Yeah, no, I can't oh. do regular flips. Can you do a flip? Um, no. Can you do a no, cartwheel? Can, do, can we I, get him to do a cartwheel I could do here? a cartwheel on the right you know, circumstances, <laughs> um, but maybe one, and it's not going to be perfect form, but no flips. Yeah, so we should probably define that, right? Which, mm-hmm. Thank you for, for that, Nate. So when we're talking about flips, we're talking about when you... It, do a housing flip and there's these tv shows that are out there on all the the different tv networks and it they make it look easy and lucrative right and some people might come in and say well it should be part of 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 how i generate some additional money i want to go in i want to buy a house i want to flip it easy done right no risk involved real estate's easy right man it's all easy that's what it looks like on tv (laughs) that's hgtv makes it look like that surfing looks easy on tv right right so so we with that introduction i just wanted to say that there are some risks right and matt's done this person he's he's got a background in real estate and there's still probably some challenges i imagine right and things still don't go according to plan Mm -hmm. so so that being said maybe i can hand it over to you matt and just talk a little bit about what you have done in some of the flips and, and maybe just talk about, maybe take an example project and just tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, absolutely. So um, so I've been selling real estate for 13 years and um, I never want to do anything that's going to take me away from like the bread and butter and helping people, buy, helping people buy and sell homes here in the Madison area. So underneath that mantra is um, doing remodel projects or flips. And so something that um, early on in my marriage, uh, we've been married for seven and a half years that I, we noticed that my wife has some good um, tastes and selection and enjoys picking out flooring and countertops and cabinets and stuff like that. So we were really ready to move from, from our first home that we bought together and we wanted to be closer to um, downtown. We found this home that really needed a lot of work. And so um, I was able to uh, connect um, us with a um, investor who had some capital to put into remodeling a home, and so the first opportunity we had to flip a home or remodel a home was was this opportunity specifically for uh, for us, where um, I was able to get the investor to, to come in, purchase the home, 
pay for the remodel. My wife picked out the selections, um, and then we hired a contractor to come out to, to do all the work. And then once it was done, uh, we moved in. So it was like the perfect scenario. Um, there's a lot of challenges when you're trying to do that yourself, and one of it is just getting the timing right on being able to, uh, if you have a home to sell, sell that and, and then you know purchase the new one, as well as just then do you have to live through a remodel. So that situation worked out really well for us. Um, and then from there, we decided to do it again. After about two years, we, we were having our first child and needed a little bit more space, um, and then did a, a similar thing, found another home, um, had a remodel before we moved in. And then that went really well, so we decided to start doing them um, in your traditional senses of, of a flip, of, of buying a home, remodeling it with the purpose of selling um, uh, selling it right away. So we did that uh, last summer. We sold our first one. Um, we just got an accepted offer last week on our second one. We're ident- trying to identify the next project um, to do it with it that way. So, yeah, we don't have a ton of experience. I mean, in total, that's four homes in the last, uh, I think, maybe five years. Um, so uh, there are a lot of ups and downs, a lot of um, experiences that we've learned throughout the process. And you somewhat subtly inserted timing into the that statement that you made a little bit ago. So can we talk about timing a little bit? Because there's there's risks involved with that, right? And if you hit timing, great. It can make things incredibly smooth. And actually, Nate and I, in a, a past podcast about home renovation, had talked about timing. And could you talk about timing and, and how that can present challenges, but also if it if it goes smoothly, how much how much easier that can really make your life? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you can look at timing in a few different ways. Like one timing on when a house comes on the market, right? So right now, uh, we're recording this podcast in April. It's the middle of our busy season. So homes are flying off the market. There was a property uh, that just got accepted offer two days ago. They had 37 (laughs) offers. Wow. 37 offers on a property here on the west side of town. That's incredible. Now, if that property came on the market last November, maybe they would have been two two offers on that. So timing in the sense of even when you're looking to identify um, buying an, a property um, goes a long way. So if you can avoid the, the busy season, you have flexibility in that, um, that'll save you a lot of, um, uh, well, it'll save you a lot of money because you're not overpaying or, or out, outbidding another buyer for that property. Outbidding and, 36 others. Yeah, trying to, <laughs> exactly. So that home went well over asking price. Um, and then also just the, the stress of it all being under, under um, you know, that sense of urgency when you know that you have to write a strong offer right away and that you're going to be in competition. So um, so timing that way. And then the other piece is just, yeah, aligning all the pieces up as far as just getting contractors in there when you need to move in. So you probably have some kind of housing situation if you're going to move in yourself, um, like we did our first two times. So you have to kind of time that all out. Um, and it really comes down to having the right contractors. If you're going to do some of the work yourself, that's great. But uh, knowing how quick you work or how quick your contractors work um, so you can work, work, work that schedule into your favor. And so um, inevitably, things will come up. There, um, in every one of our projects, there's been delays. There's been unforeseen instances that come up. You start tearing apart walls and, and, and um, opening up you know, in different areas, and you, you find things that you, you didn't expect, which will take time to correct. So, um, yeah, so there's a lot to do as far as timing goes. It just really, you have to decide what um, your end goal is and then kind of work backwards from there. Yeah, and and Nate also has a background in real estate, and this is a while back, but not only as a real estate agent selling some real estate, but also on the lending side as well. So that's why we wanted to, to bring Nate specifically on this con- on, on this podcast as well. So, Nate, is this something that you've ever done as far as like doing a, a massive remodel with the intention of selling it at a higher price? Is this something that you've dabbled in in your career? 
Well, my background, as, as you say, Mitch, kind of is, is always been uh, involved in real estate because my father ran a construction real estate and construction company for 25 odd years. He's still running it up in Monaco in the 70s. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I had the kind of the lead hand in actually building out the office we sit in right now, as well as our old office uh, and the addition we're doing down the hall. And I, I, can, I can't uh, echo um, Matt's comments uh, strongly enough that. Um, you know, they say in boxing, everybody goes into a boxing match with a plan and everybody has a plan until you get hit. Right. <laughs> and then, yeah, they, exactly. then the plan kind of goes out the window, right? Mm -hmm. And the same thing is somewhat true when it comes to at least the, the few projects that I've done and what I've watched my father do. Um, if you think you're going to do the project and not, in my analogy, get get hit in the face at some point, you're, you're sorely mistaken, right? And so the idea is you have to go in with a solid plan, but you also have to understand that um, that plan is not going to go exactly the way you think it's going to go. Right. Um, and you're going to have to be ready to, to be able to handle and, and, and adapt and be flexible. And um, speaking to, to Matt's point as well, uh, the contractors that you use, you have to be able to work with contractors that understand that things are going to come up and that you got to be able to think creatively on how to, how to get around it. I, you know, in the, in the new build out we're doing on the hall, um, you know, we had a, a, a duck, a uh, piece of ductwork coming off the, the furnace that was sat too low. And we didn't realize it until the ceiling guy came in because the ceiling would then have had to cut across the top of the windows, which wasn't going to work right. So then all three of us had to kind of figure out how do we fix this this issue? And in the end, everybody just figured it out and we, we got a great solution to it. But um, even even on a small 650 square foot build out like we're doing down there, um, these things happen. And I can imagine on a flip, it's even more so because mm -hmm. It's not as though you're starting from scratch, right? right. You're not starting with uh, with with dirt and then building it yourself. You're starting with a structure, and so you're trying to get things to fit together, potentially in a structure that sat there for 50 years. Yeah, exactly, and that's where we ran into this property. Our last one was built in '53, I believe, and so wow. yeah, and so uh, my wife and I realized that um, through doing this project and and the other ones that we, if you have a, a plan for the home to be, you know, you have this 100% plan. Think, all right, we'll do this remodel, we'll knock out this wall, we'll put this flooring in, we'll do this, and it's gonna look great. We realize that we the goal is actually to get to 90% of that plan. That we realize that things are gonna come up and 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 be happy with 80%. The goal is to get to you wanna get 90% and then be happy with 80% because things will come up. We ran into um, a situation where my wife found some beautiful tile that she wanted to put in the bathroom. So it was just, just gorgeous tile. It was really going to make it pop. Um, it was rare, and, and, and we fell in love with it. And so we, we were ready to order the tile. Our contractor went in there to take out the tile that was in the bathroom before and realized there was two inches of concrete that was poured. That was uh. like the subfloor. And so that caused a huge problem. And, and one of the, the issues that we ran into is that we couldn't use this tile b based on what the, the subfloor we had to put in and then transitions that you're going to have. And so we at last minute at the last minute, we had to go and find a different tile. So, again, we had this beautiful idea. We thought this bathroom was going to be 100 percent. And we got to, you know, 80 percent on that bathroom. Beautiful bathroom. We're really happy with it. But again, it wasn't quite what we, we had in mind when we walked in there. And there's those type of things like you mentioned, the duct work. Um, that you won't really know until you, you get into it. And so we ran into our, in our previous project, we were going to finish the lower level and we're really excited about it. Some great space down there. We added an egress window so you could put a bedroom down there. And then as we're into, in, getting into the project, we realized that the duck hook there was, was really low and there wasn't anything we can do with it. So for me to come down the stairs right away after about, a, about six inches, I would 
would have to duck because the ductwork ended up having come down oh, wow. uh, and just boxing that out. So there was this, you know, three foot section where I would have to duck to get it down there. And, and that limited the buyers. There were buyers that would have bought that property right away, but because of their height and similar to, to me, I'm six, three, um, they were annoyed by having a duck when you got yeah. down to the end of the stairs. Ideally, that wasn't the idea. The idea was to have this beautiful, well-finished basement, you know, great ceiling height, all that. And, and everything else about the room was, uh, about the lower level was great, bathroom, bedroom, two living rooms. But you had this duct work that, that we didn't realize uh, was going to be a problem going into it. So, again, if you, you have this vision of, of what it will look like when it's 100% done, you hope to get to 90. Realistically, you're ha- you should be happy with 80%. And I've run into that with new construction as well. There's sometimes there's random things that happen with new construction or the wrong tile was ordered or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, 13 years of selling real estate um, and then doing some projects ourselves, I haven't come across the 100% uh, project yet and i think the expectations is you shoot for 100 and maybe be happy with with 90 if, if you're lucky enough to to get all the all the chips fallen fall in place and then you can get that hundred um all the better but i think realistically things are going to come up even on new construction things will come up that you'll have to maybe adjust your expectations and make some adjustments on the fly part of the stress of this is that the the contractor is sitting there at the house ready to insert the tile and realize it's the wrong tile. <laughs> right. So you have to go and make a decision, run over to the tile shop or wherever, and make a decision within an hour um, because of the, the schedule, the timing of it. So if the tile guy can't get the tile in today, he's not coming back for two weeks, and that's going to put everything else off. So sometimes you're in those situations where you have to run over and make a quick decision and trust your gut and some of those. So, um, But, yeah, I think, like I said, you have a plan until you get punched in the mouth. <laughs> After that, you recover, and then, you you know, you keep fighting. So, so oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, go for it, Nate. So what do you, I mean, what, if we had to boil, I mean, we could talk here for three hours, um, but if you had to boil it down for somebody buying a house that's been flipped or, or that um, has had, you know, some substantial work done to it, I mean, what, what is the one or two things that a buyer should look at, especially if it's a buyer that is that it's unsophisticated when it comes to construction or, or um, home projects? If this just isn't their forte, what should they look for to make sure that they don't put themselves in a bad spot and buy a house that, uh, um, you know, on the surface looks fine, but uh, just underneath, um, you know, is not fine? Yeah, that's really important because we try to put a great product out there. I've born and raised in Madison. You know, I I feel like I have a reputation to keep and I want to make sure that any product we put out there, um, people are going to be proud of. We're going to be proud of it and other people are going to know that, hey, we, we, you know, Matt sold us a great product. Right. So the contractors, we go in there, we, I want to make sure that they're doing um, great work. Now, that's not always the case. You have people that are just trying to make a dollar. So they go in there or they're do, they're doing it themselves and they don't have the experience to do some of the work very well or they might cut some corners. And so I wouldn't know if there's much that uh, uh, an inexperienced buyer would know to look for. But I would say having a realtor that has experience and getting it inspected um, would be the, the two pieces I would say right away. Now, obviously, you, you want to look at some of the trim work, some of the things that can get a little bit tricky and a little more nuanced, um, you want to pay attention to. So um, back, tile backsplash or tile um, baths around, like there's a lot of bad tile jobs out there. So if the lines aren't lining up, I mean, that might tip you off. So something you might fall in love with the design choices and the style of the the, the the kitchen backsplash but if you look a little bit closer and you don't see you know the tile lining up well or the lines lining up well um that might be a sign that the work wasn't done very well now tile is really difficult so that's that's one that there's some grace to it especially if you're in an older home not everything is level so you know making sure that those lines are straight is important but sometimes it's just 
it's an old home and that's we'll just call that character um but again uh if you're looking at that looking at trim work looking at some paints you know some people try to you know they'll paint themselves and some people are great at cutting and other people are terrible so you have paint on the ceilings and all that not not that paints is all that ex- uh, um, expensive but it might be a sign that the quality of the work um, overall wasn't there um, wasn't a high quality it wasn't you know a well constructed home um those are just some of the surface things. A lot of the other things, code issues, you know, did they have the proper GFCI switches and outlets um, throughout the property where they needed to be? Some of that stuff um, probably won't be caught uh, unless you have it inspected. So definitely have it inspected. Um, have a realtor that has experience to walk through it with you right away um, that way. But um, yeah, we just, you know, we try to pay attention to what a buyer is going to be looking for. And, and when we're making a, um, the selections, we have a budget that we're working with. And so sometimes we have to decide, like, do we want to put money into the yard or do we want to redo the siding? And so some things a buyer might be disappointed. It's like, oh, it's a beautiful home. They did such great work on the inside, but you know, how come they didn't touch uh, the yard? And so um, from, uh, you know, the, the flipper's perspective is there's some difficult situations and choices that we have to make. Granted, I want to build a beautiful home for you to, for someone to buy. We also want to make some money on it and we can't just do everything. So there are situations where um, I wouldn't say cut corners, but you just make selections uh, based on what, what's going to have the most bang for the buck and then leave some of those other pieces for um, the buyer when they move in to do. And, and that was a specific example example for a decision we had. We decided to redo the siding on this property on Midvale instead of addressing the yard. And unfortunately, it worked out fine. Um, the people who, who, who bought the home know the condition. We're not hiding anything. You can see the yard. You know what, what uh, you'll have to do to it to, to really bring it up to par. Um, so we, we definitely want to present that to everybody know what they're getting into. Um, but we decided to do it with the siding. And siding looks great. It's a beautiful home. And that's a great question that somebody could ask, even the flipper themselves, is to say, you know, what were you unable to do that you wanted to be able to do to this property and see if, and if they say, well, we, we did everything. Well, okay, that's a pretty clear indication that you might want to poke a little further. Yeah. Is, that, is that not true? That is an awesome question to ask. Yeah, if more and more people would ask that question. Now, you don't always have an opportunity to talk directly sure. to the, the developer, investor, whoever is running the project. But if you or your realtor do, that's a great question to ask. Because, yeah, there's a lot of ideas that we have about this last project and all the projects that we have that if we had a bigger budget or if we ourselves are moving in there, that we would we would do I wouldn't say do differently, but we'd also do. So this this last project, um, it has a beautiful courtyard. We would have spent more time, if we were going to live there, spent more time developing that courtyard into this private oasis and, and um, you know, put a nice deck in there and do some stuff like that. And also with this project, uh, there's an opportunity to build on, add on to the side, which would have been right off one of the bedrooms. So you could add a master suite. Um, at a, a bathroom or enlarge a bedroom. Um, again, that's not in the budget in, in a situation like this where we're trying to rehab a home and put it out there that's still affordable for your average buyer. But if we were the ones going to be there, uh, we would say that to them. Say, hey, here's here's some things we just didn't get to or wasn't in the budget, but keep this in mind. You have a, um, you know, you have a, um, an option of adding on to this, this project by doing X, Y, and Z. So just so it's there from our perspective, after you live there, you might realize there's other things you would want to do. But that's a great question. So when, when you and Abby are going into the next project, let's say, and you have a few under your belt already, so you have some experience there. But originally, do you go into that with a vision of exactly what you want and what you're looking for in a property and the location, some of the things that you know that you can work with as far as making the improvements with certain contractors, things like that? Or is it kind of a feel thing? Or is it kind of in between? Because some people are just feel, you know, where they see a place and all of a sudden 
there's the vision. Or do you have clearly defined, you know, a, a, basically a process? Do you have like a process and clearly defined variables on the front end, knowing exactly what you want to look for when you're looking at that next project? Yeah, it is a little bit of both. And for me, I think a lot of times you get drawn in by the feel of it. And so this this last project had beautiful, um, huge windows in the living room that just pour in sun. And the layout was great. And we, we just, we fell in love with the home just based on feel. Then you got to go back and double check. Can you make money on this? What would this look like re- remodeled? If you put X amount of money into it, you put a little bit in for a margin you know, are you going to be able to sell it for that? So uh, what else has been remodeled and sold in the area? So it, for us, it starts with with feel. Um, and, w- you know, we probably wouldn't look at it if it wasn't in a desirable area or there was something, at least on paper, that would draw us to it. Just because it's a really affordable home doesn't mean it's something we want to dive into. Um, even after we put money into it doesn't mean somebody else is going to going to want to be in that neighborhood. So some some things we look at on, on paper to draw us in there. And then once we're in there, a lot of it's feel like, how does this flow of this property? How does it really live when you're actually in it? And then from there, we look at, all right, what enhancements can we do to it? Um, is it is it just, let's redo the kitchen and bathrooms and, and, and that'll make enough of an impact? Or do we need to open up some walls to, to, to bring it to today's standard as far as what the, the flow is and, and um, how people are living out at home? So with this last project, we just opened up a wall from the kitchen into the living room just to increase that flow a little bit better just because that's more desirable. Um, and that's all, the only wall we had to move or, or, or touch. Everything else was was more um, cosmetic. We did the, the cabinets, the flooring. It had beautiful hardwood floors underneath the carpet, so the, it had carpet on it since 1953. Pulled up the carpet, and it was gorgeous, so we lucked out there. Um, but adding some flooring into the bathrooms. We, did the, we finished the basement. Um, and so we just want to see what, what potential the home has and bring it to its best light. Can you speak a little bit to the the numbers side of it? I know that um, you know it's easy when when people get into these uh, projects to look at it and to get um, almost blinded by the opportunity of, as you said, we could do this and we could do this, and then we could also do this, this, and this. You know, and and not fully understanding a what that costs to do that, or b how far that pushes the the ultimate purchase price that the house needs to to land at, right? Uh, we always joke, somewhat joke. It's, it's, there's a lot of truth to it in our industry. When, when we have clients come in, the the most fearful thing we hear when they're talking about a, a house remodel is, well, if we're going to do this, we might as well dot dot dot, right? Because then they they push a fifty thousand dollar project to a two hundred thousand dollar project because that leads to another, to another, to another, right? Mm-hmm. Can you speak a little bit about the not as fun side of it it's not colors it's not you know finished product it's not you know hgtv it's the numbers of it i mean how do you guys go into a project from a number standpoint and really make sure that you've protected yourself yeah so um for us having an experienced contractor that can uh really zero in on those numbers and get haven't spend the time to get those bids in advance before you even write the an option to purchase or offer to purchase um if, if you're not in a hurry to make a decision that's been key for us so be able to come in there Get those hard numbers. Now, granted, not things will come up. So they might say, hey, we're going to add a bathroom to the basement. It's going to be $8,000. Well, when we went down there and looked at it after the fact, there's some old plumbing that needs to be um, torn out. There's some, you know, uh, we need to add a bigger water softener or, or water heater. Um, so some of those other, you know, 
unexpected expenses come up, but you really want to zero in on what's realistic um, uh, as far as each aspect of the project and having um, your subcontractors give you good, accurate bids. Um, and then you realize that maybe some of these subcontractors after the fact weren't all that accurate, and you know, the not to use them in the future. Um, and then you want to have some kind of contingency in there. So if you get those bids back and you, you get the overall budget for the project and say, hey, it's going to be $70,000. Okay, maybe realistically you add another fifteen thousand dollars on there just for random things that come up, whether they're they're um, unexpected issues that pop up, or you, as you're in there, you're like you know what would be great if we added X, Y, or Z. You know, it's like let's like for this going back to our pre previous project, uh, adding the siding. You know, it's like this great the inside of this home is beautiful. The exterior needs some help. You know what would be great? Let's add this siding or let's do something with the yard. So we decided to, to add new siding to it. And we had a little bit of a buffer in there. We knew the the, the rest of the project was going um, uh, on, on budget and it was going the way we expected. And so we had that contingency money at the end to, to do something a little bit more to it. So mm -hmm. it's important to have that because things will come up. But then if for some reason they don't, you'll probably get in the project and realize, oh, you know, we didn't think about this. It'd be great if we added a wet bar to the basement, you know, now that that things now that we've been in it. So um, doing that and then you also, yeah, you want to make sure you're you're doing it for a profit. You don't want to do this and, and realize that you just spent all this time and effort and energy and, and realize you didn't make any money on it. So you de definitely want to make and, and that aspect, uh, the, that margin piece varies for, for people. You know, maybe you start at a smaller margin and just so you get that experience underneath your belt and, and then you realize you can start increasing that margin and make more on it. Um, and some of them will be home runs, some of them will be a double and some of them you're, you're, you know, you're happy that you walked and you got on base and, <laughs> and uh, lived to see another day. So um, fortunately for us, we've, uh, fortunately I would say because we've had some that we we almost struck out on and and you know we learned we got some good experience and we we've had some that have really been home runs and we've been really excited about it so we've learned from every aspect of it well it sounds like this is not easy like you said not everything is a home run as it might look on that tv show that you might be watching or see on pinterest or instagram or wherever right it sounds like this is not easy there's a lot of work involved there's some time involved Sometimes it's, you know, things, well, it's not sometimes, there's always going to be something that comes up that's unexpected, it sounds like, based on your experience. And I think one of the most interesting things was that you said, well, if, if you're shooting for 100%, you know, you might have to be okay with getting to 80%, because at some point you just got to call it a day and, and where it is and know that you can still maybe be profitable at that point, even at that 80%. So Matt, we really appreciate you coming in for the second time yeah, to give me some truth and added an extra splash of the Facebook sure. live video. Hopefully a few of you guys are, are tuning in there, but we will look forward to the next, give me some truth and thank you all for listening. You got Advisory services are offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Clint Walkner, Nate Condon, Jonathan Jordan, Mitch DeWitt, and Keith Ponywaz are investment advisor representatives of Walkner Condon. Guests on the podcast are not registered, and their participation in the podcast are limited to unregistered activities and will not provide any advice that is investment-related, nor should any comments that guests make be construed as giving investment advice. Content should not be viewed as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned or as legal or tax advice. You should always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, is not engaged in the practice of law. Whenever you invest, you are at risk of loss of principal as the market does for
fluctuate. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Purchases are subject to suitability. This requires a review of an investor's objective, risk tolerance, and time horizon. Investing always involves risk and possible loss of capital. Long-term care, estate planning, insurance products, and tax advice are not offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC. Walkner Condon works on a best efforts basis and does not guarantee any results. Past performance does not represent future results. Please see walknercondon.com for additional disclosures.